mean, I remember when I first started doing outside meetings, I wasn't motivated because I didn't think the people suffered that much, yeah? And then after a period of time, I noticed they had a, a disease called spiritual seeking. It's much more subtle than active alcoholism and addiction, but it's very, uh, very insidious, yeah? And it has a lot of similarities. Should it's, I fire that up? Yeah, yeah, might as well. It's not as flamboyant, you know. As the, the contrast isn't as stark, so it's easier to see alcoholism than you can see these, like, say, lighter shades of seeking. Yeah? But in a sense, they're ho- like seeking has no drive other than to promote seeking. It has nothing to do with finding. It literally. Yeah? Because when you find something, how long do you stay with it? before you seek for a turbocharged style of Buddhism or an extreme tantric, you know, psychotherapy, some kind of mix. It's always attempting to, to, to juice it up or change it a little bit. And what's always promoted is more seeking, yeah? So the agitation begets agitation. That's not peace of mind. You can't find peace of mind through action. Peace of mind is a natural state of mind unfettered by self-centeredness. So in this, it says, without knowing it, (laughs) I always love that, without knowing it, had we not been brought to where we stood by a certain kind of faith. So what happened is people are at a point of super desperation and he's saying it was brought you had you were probably brought there by a certain kind of faith yeah had we not been brought to where we stood by a certain kind of faith for did we not believe in our own reasoning belief faith whatever you want to call it yes so the thought system we believe the thought system, and one of the demonstrations of the bondage of the thought system is the mind that precedes thoughts. Yeah? It's not the thought. The thought is used to bind your mind to an idea of being a thinker. Yeah? But the, it doesn't produce the idea of being a thinker. What produces the idea of the thinker is the mind of the thought. So there's a feeling when a thought is noticed in, let's say, ignorance or ignoring or in self-centeredness we see a thought but we don't see the feeling or the sense that precedes it which is it's my thought yeah or it's about me usually either you're the object of the thought or you're the subject of the thought either you're the thinker of the thought or you're the thought about yeah it's that relationship that gives the power to the thought thought does not have any power of its own because the same thought in your head yeah held by you, could drive you crazy, but if that same thought there, and I saw it not as mine, it wouldn't drive me crazy. Yet, if the same thought appeared in my head and was held as mine, it would have the possibility of driving me crazy. So obviously the thought does not drive you crazy. The meaning of the thought drives us crazy. And the meaning of the thought doesn't issue from the thought, it issues from us. Yeah, It's issues from mind. And what happens is, the thought, and I mean every thought, is preceded by a sense of being the thinker. Yeah? Or the thought about. That's the, that's the glue, and the, what facilitates the bondage is the thought. Because there's thousands of thoughts all day, and each one of them is being used to echo the sense of being the thinker. That's the bonding point. It's an activity. It cannot possibly be so. You are not the thinker of the thoughts. 
Yeah? So it cannot possibly be so, but it can seem to be so. And it uses a lot of repetition to produce the seemingly so. It's sort of like if you had a guy named Andy Ford used to be in my school when I was young, and he was a pretty good artist, so he'd get a one of those pads of uh, paper, and he'd paint a different scene, and when he went like this, really fast, it seemed like a linear story. But if he looked at each page, it didn't really make much sense. But when he went like this, so the speed of the thoughts, how many are repeating constantly, the my is the glue between each thought that fulfills the picture of you as a body. Yeah? If you could see a thought like a page that hadn't been connected to the previous and the next page, you wouldn't see the picture. What the connecting, the link, or the bridge is the my. That's me. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Someone has to call me. It's the clinic. They don't know I'm out tonight. <laughs> Where are you? <laughs> oh, you didn't think I'm in a clinic? <laughs> or should we? Forget about it. <laughs> I'm heading there right after this. <laughs> like the only place you can have peace is with insane people. <laughs> so, I mean, you might as well know the activity of the seeming problem or the seeming bondage because if you see the activity that means you're not the activity. Yeah? Most of us start looking from after a thought. There's a famous saying in uh, one of the stories in AA about another guy who's been sober. I'll get back. No, I better stay with faith. This is good. So here he goes. So we did we not believe in our reasoning? Did we not have confidence in our ability to think? He's using confidence, the same thing as faith. Yeah, he liked, you know, as you, if you know the book, he didn't like to use the same word. So he has maladjustments, defects of character. He's always switching, but it means the same. So, what was that but a sort of faith? Belief in the, in the thoughts is a sort of faith. Yeah. Yes, we had been we had been faithful, abjectly faithful to the God of reason. So in one way or another, we discovered that faith had been involved all the time. Exactly. This is all the time. Faith is involved all the time. It's not something to acquire. And I'm not talking about our faith. That's like Islam or Christianity. I'm talking a force of mind that we don't know how powerful it is. As Jesus says, you know, a faith the size of a mustard seed can move mountains. Well, look at In Jesus, his big claim for fame sometimes is that he resurrected Lazarus, yes? Who had been a guy who died, and he, Jesus saw the body and resurrected him. And we call that a miracle. But we're making something out of nothing all day. We're producing anxiety when there's no apparent threat in the room we're in. We're producing anxiety and what's allowed, how, it's the faith that can produce something out of what's not happening. It's faith. It's faith of mind. It's a force of mind that's being used all day and we don't even notice it. And so here we're in a book and this is one of the co-founder who wrote this book and this is very under-addressed, this page. 
because people keep talking about I don't have faith in this and that. That that statement is the demonstration of a certain faith. The faith that you don't have faith. Yeah? We're constantly believing our head. And most of our worries and anxieties are based out of what's not happening. If you're flipping out tonight, it's very rarely about tonight. It's about last week and tomorrow. You don't see it as a displacement. You don't see it as... How could... When you were a kid... I remember when I was a kid, I wasn't in an abusive situation. When I was playing, I never, never worried, will I be playing next week? Because I had no idea of time. (laughs) If I wasn't, you know... Ooh, you know, I, I didn't ruin my playing on Saturday because I was thinking, will I be playing next Saturday? And I didn't go home and critique my playing. You know, Wayne was having a lot more fun than I was. I got to up my game of playing. No, I wasn't walking around my house saying I should have a bigger room. I didn't want gap clothing or sunglasses or anything. My mother was huge and I loved her no matter what. I don't see her as ugly. It had nothing to do with any of that. We grew into it all. If we grew into it, it means we can grow out of it. It's the interest and attention that keeps it so. You know? And how are you going to lose interest in thoughts if you keep calling them yours? It's sort of like thinking you're going to lose interest in children at a park when there's 30 children playing, but you've called two of them yours. Your interest is going to go to those two kids. Yeah? Yet there's 30 other kids, but they're going to go to the ones that are yours. Exactly the same with thoughts. The relief from thoughts is not at the thought point, it's at the my point. Because the mind is a my, the my, the act of ownership or claiming is an activity. The mental state is doing. It can never complete the mission. No matter how many times you feel like a thinker, you're not the thinker. You, no matter how many times you feel like you're the feeler, you're not the feeler. Listen to people when they share about a feeling. They said, oh, I didn't want to feel that, after they felt it. Haven't you ever heard people say, oh, I don't want to feel this way, after they felt that way? <laughs> the, re- the reaction is after, but the reaction presupposes your before. It's a sleight of hand. People want freedom from the bondage of self. That's it. See the act of the binding, and you'll be free from it. And immunity will grow. You won't have to be in the moment, because you'll realize it's an insane, insane idea that you could ever be out of a moment. I swear to God, you will have no interest in trying to further or better yourself into getting into the moment more, because you think it's totally absurd, because you've never been out of any moment you're in. So this, it says, we discovered that faith had been involved all the time. We can discover that faith is involved all the time right now. So you see the force of mind. Instead of being blown by it, you'll realize that you're prior to it. You can see the production of a self or the reinforcement of one because it's never complete. It's always in the act of producing. It never finishes the job. If the thoughts would have finished the job, they would have went quiet. How many times in a day you have nothing to do, but then the thoughts stop? I mean, if you're running, and then you stop usually, don't you? You can't run forever. 
You're reaching, you reach, but then you stop. But when do you stop thinking? When is it, uh, when can you, oh, I've thought enough about that. Yeah? You go back to stuff there, and I, when I say you, it's not personal, I'm talking about all of us. All the yous. It's not incriminating, but if the shoe fits, wear it. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it's a heist. It's like a thief. We're the th- we get a youth security program and we're in punching the password and the thief is looking right out of over our shoulder. He's already in the house. <laughs> you call it me. <laughs> it's the act of being identified as a self. That's the root of the problem. And from the solution, there is no problem. It's an activity. And you have to be in compliance with it for it to really work. If there's an abstin, abstin, abstaining from it, its its influence will weaken drastically. You won't be trying to get in this moment. You'll have a clear understanding you can't be out of it. <laughs> so you'll always be here because you can never be out of it. Yeah, You'll always be available because you're always present. And if you're present and available, you're of service. You're going to be used. Yeah, So... There's a great, great master. I don't know if you heard of him, Ramana Maharshi. Great master. He says it in a lot of different ways. I'm going to read some of them. And it sure sounds like he's describing selfing. This, this is what I believe selfing is. If you haven't heard this before, selfing is the act of being identified as a self. Yeah? It's not a verb connected to a noun called self. The whole thing is a verb. The act of being identified as a self is what is used to produce the sense of being a noun. Yeah? So if you will listen and you fall for the selfing, you'll feel like you're a body. That will be the reference in your life. Your reference will be your body. Now, maybe you find a Buddhist reference, but it will be encompassed in the frame you never see, which is you as a body. Yeah? Or Christianity. You have a new frame, and maybe it'll help you see a little differently, but it's still defined by the big frame you're not seeing, which is the identification as a body or as a self. Yes? And nothing, nothing is going to be allowed to appear outside that frame. You'll always see everything from the reference point that's in place. It's like this old story we used to use about the sheep and the lion. So let's say these sheep have been living for quite a while as a sheep, and they're sort of tired of it. They're tired of getting used for sweaters and, you know, getting sheared every month and stuff like that, and things, people kicking them and, you know, leading them to this and that. So some of them find a book about lions, and they like a lion because it's different than a sheep, yeah? So they read, they read the thing, and they, oh, yeah, lion's courageous. We won't take shit anymore. I want to be like a lion. So a couple of them gather together and they find some old pictures of lions. They put in a nice golden leaf frame, get some candles, and they have a meeting every week. And they sit and they look at these great lions of history. And then one guy is leading roaring lessons. He has no idea of roaring, but he's, Arnie, you're doing good. You sound almost like a lion this week. Keep coming back. You know? And then there's roaring classes. And now they're getting their hair straightened to try to produce a mane. Yeah, but the problem isn't that they're. The idea is that they want to become like a lion. But what would happen if the sheep is actually a lion and is identified as a sheep? Would that be the correct course? 
Because as long as the reference point of being a sheep is the dominant reference point, the only way it can hear you're a lion is I can become like a lion. That's not the message. The big problem with any of these talks of satsang is how people hear it. It's not the message. It's the how it's heard because if I hear the message, I'm a lion, I'm a lion, I'm a lion, I like that sound, but I'm unaware that I'm identified as a sheep so when I hear that message, all the way, the only way I can actually hear it is I can become like a sheep. So what would happen? Stop there and see if you're a sheep. If you're not a sheep, you may roar that second. You don't need roaring classes. Yeah. Your hair will straighten. Whatever. You'll start kicking ass. Who knows? But your, your behavior and your attitude and outlook will change without any, without any thought or effort. What was obscuring it was removed. The identification as being a sheep. You had never not been a, you have never not been a lion. You've always been a lion. You were just assuming you were a sheep. This is the whole thing selfing is. So a great master, Ramana Maharshi, says it this way. He says, this is the main dilemma of the whole deal. It sounds familiar, really. And it says, there's a presupposing of a non-existent thing and then wanting to get salvation for that non-existent thing. Selfing is all that, that's all that selfing is. It's a mental activity that's presupposing the existence of a non-existent thing. Yeah. That's the starting point. That's the reference. And then everything else issues from there, and therefore every step of the way is a little bit off because you're not a non-existent thing. So it says, presupposing the existence of a non-existent thing and then wanting to get salvation for that imaginary thing, when your practices themselves, this is interesting, when your practices themselves become a means of giving life to the non-existent thing, how can they destroy it? So, the practices that we hope are going to take us out of self, how can they take us out of self because the practices themselves are being used to reaffirm the existence of the non-existent thing that wants to escape from itself? You can't skip this over. It's like AA. You can't skip step one. <laughs> you can't. If you skip step one, that's going to influence every other step and all, the, all your activities in the program. It's the one step you have to get down before the others that make sense, you know, or for the others to catch or gain traction. Well, this, in spiritual terminology, this is the one because in some cases the possibility of what you're doing to get out of something is actually reinforcing the idea that you're in it. Yeah. Wouldn't you like to hear the news? So maybe there, a stop could be pulled to it? And that when, what would happen? I don't know. Find out. I know what happened for me and keeps happening for me. I lost interest in, in a lot of those trying to find salvation for a non-existent thing. I lost interest in the need to be liberated. That's the true liberation. You lose interest in the need to be liberated. What you are has no need to be liberated. What you're not has a huge need to be liberated. 
So it goes on like this. So, oh yeah, this is a good one. Yeah, I like this one a lot. So here, to try to to destroy this non-existent thing, obviously, <laughs> that seems insane, isn't it? By practices, is to be just like a thief turning himself into a policeman to catch the thief who is none other than himself. <laughs> How far is that going to go? A long way. Where's it going to end? Not good. <laughs> the whole point of the problem being revealed, when, you, when the problem is truly revealed from the solution, it reveals that the problem is an activity. That there's no need to get out of an imaginary place. You cannot escape what you're not in. And how long will that take? No time at all. And how much thought and effort is going to be needed? None. It's going to be always available at all times, right where you are, with no requirements necessary, other than the ones you come up with and believe and have faith in. If you believe you've got to do something, you better do it. It leaves you right here, all the time. No matter how much the circumference changes, which it does day in and day out, the here never does. The center is you. You are what you're looking for. And it may seriously dampen all the other shit you're looking for. (laughs) Once you find that out. Because all the other shit is really representing or symbolizes what you like to have, but you don't want to find it where it is. You want the me to be there to enjoy it. And the me's not invited. It's like a, just if you can imagine in a picture, it's just like we think we're at the edge of the wall when we come to this. But if you could just step back, one step back, out of this idea of being a body, a historical action figure, and, and maybe you could see life from here, from the mind, the big M mind, not from a thing it's moving through, seemingly. Actually, this is appearing in mind. Yeah. If you could see it from here, it would reveal that you're not that. Yeah? You're not that. All the information would distill in one simple realization. I'm not that. And that, at that point, the possibility of being freed from the bondage of self has become an actuality. Because you've realized there's never been a bondage to self because there's no self to be bonded to. It's called the bondage of self. It's an activity. We have to believe the thoughts. We have to have faith in the thoughts to take ourselves to be what seems to be appearing in this body as all we are. As if you stop at the back of this cheekbone. You know what I mean? (laughs) It's like nothing's going on when you close your eyes. It's just like a light show, isn't there? The incessant onness of consciousness or awareness never gets freaking tired. 
Have you, do you need to wake up and practice seeing? You know? If I look at spiritual great masters, I see that. You know, or join a group, all right? See, and that's a lot of efforting. Has your incessant onness ever demonstrated any thought or effort? Your eyes get tired, your ears may hurt, but what's moving, what's hearing, and what's seeing has never exhausted, never got tired, has never demonstrated any effort whatsoever. How do you believe, or why would you believe that thought and effort will bring you back to there? When there that you want to get back to demonstrates no effort or thought. It's just open, very relaxed, like dog shit awareness. Simple as that, you know? Incessantly on, always available, right where you are, with no requirement necessary. Start your day from there, and I bet you the day will be seen to be quite different. Yeah? When the my weakens, the thoughts influence weakens. Yeah? When the my weakens, the feelings weaken. When the mind weakens, the idea of being the doer weakens. Yes? And when you are freed from the bondage of self, you know exactly what was the bondage. You'll know exactly what it was by it not being so anymore. It's just like gravity. You can read tons of books on it. You can become an expert on gravity. You can write 1,200 pages on gravity. But it's much, much easier. Just go into an anti-gravity chamber and you'll know all you need to know about gravity. (laughs) By its absence. And that's exactly what it's like with selfing. When the selfing isn't not, not taken to be a self, you'll see it. You'll see exactly what it's been up to. You'll see how influential it's been. And you've been there all along. It was through your compliance, your faith, that it was, that it was allowed to make it seem to be so. When the faith is removed, it's not seen to be so. It's like a paper tiger. It's like if you were in a dream, then a tiger in a dream would scare the bejesus out of you. But if you woke up and thought of that, or noticed that same tiger was dreamt, you wouldn't be affected by it at all. Yes? Exactly. This is a very reliable freedom. First of all, but the sad point, it's not an experience. <laughs> you can't sell it either. <laughs> you can't capitalize on it. <laughs> you can't stretch it out. You can't make it more intense. You don't need 800 days to study. It's just dog shit on this always available at all times, looking, hearing, seeing, feeling, tasting, out of all of these little use, seemingly different use, yeah, but the same things looking out, same nothing. Yeah. Then all the huffing and puffing is given up, and you just rest. And you got tons of attention to deal with what happens today. You very, It's very difficult to have a t- enough attention to deal with all the shit that's what's in what's not happening. In what's not happening, I can have cancer right now, next week, you know. Again, how are you going to deal with that? How are you going to preempt something that's not even happening? By thought? It's like when people in recovery come and say, this something's really bothering me, I'm going to go home and think about it. I'll say, I'll go to a movie with you. Do not go home and think about it. Because as soon as you'll spawn 20 more of the same fucking breed. It's the thought. It's a very simple message. It can be repeated over and over again. Because there's no point to go anywhere else. Other, if this isn't clear, this will be a shadow that will 
that will be behind every step you do. The taking yourself to be a non-existent thing. It doesn't go away. You can't do yourself out of being the doer. The sense of being the doer will not be broken by doing. The sense of being the thinker will not be seen through by thinking. The sense of being the feeler will not be felt through by feeling. Yeah? The feelings will arise, the selfing will claim them, and you'll be cast as the feeler. No matter how great they are, no matter how terrible they are, they'll still be preceded by you as the thinker and the feeler and the doer. It's a haste. Once you see it, the haste, for some miraculous way, it stops. Because you are, you are playing the whole thing. You're every role. You're the thief and the policeman and the thief. And yet you're not. That's the good news. And then yet the play continues. But now it's a much lighter play. The tragedy is taken out of it. Yeah? And we can live Rule 62 in recovery. Stop taking yourself so seriously. And I don't see how you can take self any more serious than thinking it's you. <laughs> I, really, I think that's the ultimate seriousness. <laughs> you can't go past that. I mean, I did tons of coke. I never thought I was cocaine. Never. Not one time. Ten days of doing it, I never slipped into, I'm cocaine. <laughs> but we start from there. We start from being the thing that's being obsessed over. We take ourselves to be the one who's being obsessed. We think we have obsessions. That's the main obsession. We think we are the one who has all the other obsessions. We think where what the feeling of being you is produced by a thought, and it comes after. So conscious contact arises. You hear, see, feel, taste something. The mental state arises, claims it, the scene, and says, "I'm the seer, and this is what I think about the scene." Life is not happening anymore. It's life is an interpretation. We see it as it's happening to me. It's usually different. Life is happening. It's usually different. Life is happening to me. One's living. One's an interpretation. I wish I had more news for you. (laughs) Really. I wish I could shoot you up with hope. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. if you just stick with your plan it's, no it's not going to work it isn't this little minor little thing is going to outshine all the actions because every action will be used to point to the actor the mental state supposedly arises about a 500th of a second what process is going to beat that what what can you do to become a doing prior to that doing? It's pretty fucking fast. You have to rely on the sense of being, because being is not of time. So no matter how fast the, doing, the doer is, the sense of being the doer is to be produced, that thing which is always so can outgun it. It doesn't have to take any time to pull the gun out. It's always out. That's the only thing that can see through it, is you. Yeah? You and I are prior to everything. There's this great story in the big book where the guy's going out again, you know. And it says, and basically the whole part of him going out starts with this line. A thought occurred to me. 
<laughs> a thought occurred to me, chapter 48, take 112, all right? Oh, it would be a good idea to sleep with my friend's wife or some fucking thing. A thought occurred to me. What would happen if something other than a thought occurred to you first? Like the pause that we talked about in recovery. What if the pause occurred to you? For me, the pause occurs as you. That's what we are. The pause is your original face. You're not a thing. When you finally show up in life, doesn't your life change? Hasn't your life been changed by pauses? That's been you. That's been your saving grace is when you finally showed up. That's when a lot of this shenanigans was put to rest. Some of the deepest patterns were broken by a pause. We're the pause. A thought occurs after the pause. If you're in the pause, you'll see it as a thought. You won't feel it as yours. And you'll see the insanity of it. And you'll see the oldness of it. How this thought has come to you in so many wolves' clothings. And you've let it in every freaking time because as soon as you saw it, you called it yours. So what happens? A pause occurs to you. Then there's a lot of space between the thought and you. Yeah? A lot of shenanigans get averted. And no one's no one is the wiser. Nothing ever fucking could be obscene. You know what I mean? It just passed like a fucking frigate in the night up there. <laughs> why not? Why see the pause as an experience that you, the you that you're not is having? Why not realize you're the pause and see the experience of what you're not is, an, is the event of what you're not is an experience the pause is having? Why do we have the, the cart in front of the horse? The pause is the horse. Why do we have the pause behind the cart and the cart in front? How's that trip going to go? It's a simple rearranging that changes everything because it's the basic first step of every day. The first step is prior to the presupposing that you're a non-existent thing. That's the first step. We think the first step issues after this. See, all the trouble... Is, comes after the thought. The solution is prior to the thought. The problem's whole realm is afterthought. The solution is prior to the thought. What's prior thought to the thought? You. You're prior to the thought. You're seeing. You're the seeing, the hearing, the feeling. You're awareness. You're an activity of mind. Yeah? way prior to anything that's produced in time. You are of a timeless nature. You can outweigh anything here. And you can, be, you can precede everything here. That's our rightful place. And from there, things look a whole lot different than from after a thought. You may lose the flavor of the thought. You may lose the interest in the obsession with self. How fast are you bored when someone comes over your house 
and runs all their fears and stories about what's going to happen. You're bored in three minutes unless you want something from them. Then maybe you'll listen a little longer. But usually, you're freaking bored. But you've been waxing poetically about the same shit in your head for 40 freaking years. What's the difference? One of it's called you, yours, and the other is called theirs. You seem to have a distinct immunity built into their stuff, but yours, you seem very susceptible to fall prey to it. What's the difference? It's the same advertising. Do you think you have any different advertising up in your head? Like you're a unique little marketing agency? Fuck you, no. It's the same product being sold, the same shitty little, like, uh, what are those songs or... Jingles. jingles, the same bullshit. Um, <laughs> terrible things are going, you know, same. I mean, how many, have you ever done a journal and you look back to the stuff you wrote 18 years ago and you've been thinking the same thing that day? I mean, the thing has no tricks up its sleeve. It's like, a, it's gotten lazy because we fall under it immediately. As soon as, as long as you, oh, the whole day's ruined. One thought can ruin a whole day, can it? Everything's going great, but <laughs> you're going to know I'm a fraud. I can feel it, but <laughs> you're not going to get relief after that. The relief is prior to it. And it's not something to be acquired or built up or having to be vigilant about. You're demonstrating your priorness every second of the day. Thought, no thought arises before consciousness's demonstration. Not one. They need consciousness to be seen. What's seen in the light is not going to eclipse the light. What's seen in the light is not going to eclipse the light. What's seen in the light does not come prior to the light. You are not the seer. You are the light. You are the seeing. You have never been a noun. You will never be a noun. You may be appearing as one in this show, but you are not a noun. You are an activity. You are a verb. You are beingness. Beingness. Not wasingness and willingness, but beingness. And that's the solution to all the situations that arise after the thought. If the pause occurs to you, you'll have an immunity to the thought that will occur. You won't be driven by thought anymore. See what happens to your life if something else starts navigating you. What we have now is a freaking old GPS, isn't it? I mean, you punch in how to get somewhere. It's like 1880 maps come down. You know what I mean? <laughs> the fuck, you never get to where you want to go, but you keep going back and listening. I met, We were in Boston once, outside of Boston. It was a late night, and this little rural road, at, we were going to Lincoln, Massachusetts, there was cops with these lights on. And this lady had listened so devotedly to her GPS, it drove her in, onto a train track. And she didn't... She could have, must have felt that, and she kept driving. She drove so far into the train track, she had to get towed out. Because she was listening to the GPS. <laughs> <laughs> she could feel it, and it totally got ignored. It says, you're, you're 100 yards to destination. You're in a fucking blackout place. Oh, you know what I mean? You're on a train track, lady. I'm close. <laughs> Why would you punch in and ask that to be your, your navigating system? Unless you were a thought, why would you want to be led by thoughts? 
if you were a thought, why would you want to be led by thoughts? But if you're a thought, you definitely want to be surrounded by thoughts. Because the other thoughts will support you. How you doing? Do you know what, where you're at? Um, a, sort of this, yes. <laughs> How did you find this place? It's not in a schedule. Someone gave me a flyer, and I heard you speak before. Oh, you have. All right, all right, good, good, good. <laughs> I need to guess it. Have you guys? You're yes. You're somewhat aware of. Uh, all right, good, 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 good. Right. <laughs> you caught me in mid mid stride. I'll try to really take a few steps back, you know. As you're probably familiar with selfing, yes, selfing. All right, so we're gonna have a glossary of terms. You don't mind; it doesn't matter. It's all the same message. Yeah? So selfing is something I use, and this is not an AA meeting. First of all, I'm I'm a member of AA, but this is not an AA. Meeting. This is like an offshoot. Yes, so. We, t- we, t- we, t- we tend to basically take what, what's in the program and maybe put a different view on it, yes? Because this has worked for me. So the idea of, in most recovery situations, they believe the root of the problem is obsession with self, usually, yes? Or extreme self-centeredness or something like that. I don't believe that. I believe the root of the problem is identification as a self. And I believe the mind obsessing is to reinforce the identification as the obsessor. That's the real obsession, is that you're identified as a long-lasting, independent, separate entity, a body, yes? And only just as a body. And when you think about spirit, knowing it or not, you're speaking about spirit from the body's point of view. So it's sort of like you're going to acquire some spirituality and sort of graft it into the body and now you'll become a spiritual person. Yes? But the person, the reference of being a body is still in place. To me, that's a failed way of seeing it. What would happen if you are spirit? So there's a point in recovery in the book that says you'll have a daily reprieve from alcoholism you know, the problem resides in the mind. You've read that in the book, yes? In recovery, it's seen as the problem resides in the mind. So what is it that we call the mind, which, which looks like the problem, the thought system, yes? You know, that radio station that's playing, you know, Golden Oldies all day, yes? It's called, it's under your name, K-Paul or something, yes? Well, that station, and we're we have we're ardent devotees of that station. There hasn't been a new song released in fucking <laughs> thirty years, but we keep singing we're singing along to every tune. You know what I mean? <laughs> and we doesn't we don't seem to have much immunity to them. Thoughts seem to have a lot of influence. Yes, in your life, you can be in a situation you really like to be there, but the thoughts seem to intrude, don't they? You'll start feeling uncomfortable. She's going to figure out I'm an asshole or something like that. Yes? It, they always seem to make many inopportune showings up. Yes? <laughs> and then it can be, it gets so unbearable, they lead us to a drink. Don't they? Even if you have many years of sobriety, the head can work on you. And it's the head's idea of surrender is fuck it. Yeah? So when the alcoholism works on you sufficiently, it leads you to a point of fuck it. And when you arrive there, you have to do almost anything. 
And so self-knowledge avails us nothing. And to me, what that means is any knowledge claimed by self, which is what selfing is, is claiming. If knowledge is claimed by self, it will avail you nothing, especially about the topic of of being free from self. Self Self-knowledge will avail you nothing. The results will be nil and let you go, let, let you let go of all your old ideas. The only way you can let go of your old ideas is to see that they're not yours. If you see they're not yours, you'll lose interest in them. Really, just like you, if you were interested in a woman in the, the other room, keenly interested in her, thinking, you know, maybe I'll have babies with her and da 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 be my savior then whatever you were doing, you'd be distracted because you'd be trying to hear what she says, yes? Because you want to hear, hey, I like that guy, Matt, or someone. Yeah. So to hedge your bet, you're not going to go walk up cold, are you? Ask her for coffee. You like to have a little hedging on the bet, you know? I heard she says, likes me. Oh, hey, would you like to have a coffee? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but what happens, so what happens, though, if and someone comes up to me and says, hey, Paul, you're supposed to be paying attention to this talk. And I want to, but my interest really is in there because she means a whole lot more to my head than this does. I'll tell you. Right now. <laughs> Nothing personal. Alright, <laughs> so then, then someone comes to the table and puts a book on it. How to lose interest in a conversation in another room. I read it very quickly. I agree with the principles, but I can't put it put them into any action. You know what I mean? And then suddenly she says, Hey, I like that guy Kevin and my name is Paul. What happens? I lose interest in that conversation, don't I? I don't have to send Navy SEAL six in there to retrieve my attention. It just comes right back to wherever I am. Yeah? Because it's not about me anymore. Exactly. Can you imagine if your head wasn't about you? If you saw it and could call it Stanley's, you'd be done with it. Yes? Wouldn't it? Wouldn't you really? You don't want to listen to my fucking head. I'm telling you that much. And I don't want to listen to yours. But as long as yours would, was called mine, I'd be listening to it. <laughs> that's the bondage of self. And that's what drives us to drink. Yeah? We want relief from that. Since I was about five or six, that's when the discomfort, irritability, and restlessness arose. And it followed me the rest of my, to, to my adulthood. Before I'd run into rooms, and at a certain point in life, everything I've ever done since then was accompanied by thought. Every fucking thing. Walking into a room, who's here, what are they thinking of me, on and on and on, ad nauseum. It was a drag. And I wanted out, and I couldn't. I didn't know how to get it. And the quickest way I found was by drinking. And that wasn't quick enough, so I gravitated to drugs. And that wasn't quick enough, so I gravitated to shooting drugs. That wasn't quick enough, so I gravitated shooting drugs into my neck. And that was quick enough. <laughs> and the relief would work, but it never relieved. It's it just created the momentary satiation made the ravenous beast even more hungry. And that's what addiction is. Addiction never reaches a level of satisfaction. It's just going to keep, keep, keep on, keeping on, keeping on, until the host is dead. So alcoholism, just how I see it, is a parasite. A parasitical movement. It doesn't have a life, so it claims the one that we offer. That's what it does. And jacks in your thought system, and it talks as you. It says all the thoughts are yours and shit like that. So when you think of being free, you, you think of being free as that, 
when you really need to be free from that. From it. I'll give you an example. There's tons of them out there. Just look up parasites in nature. There's a new parasite they found that's in human brains. Out of one, I think one out of every three humans has this parasite in their brain. Their short name, their nickname is Toxo. It's got a long name. So Toxo is a pretty interesting parasite because it has only one drive, which is to procreate, yeah, to reproduce. But it can only reproduce in one place in the whole world, and that is, is in the belly of a cat. Now, it finds itself not in a cat, yeah? So it's now up to an incredible Herculean task. How the hell am I going to get out of this rat and get into that cat? <laughs> yeah? What does this do? Because it's in mice and rats. It jacks into the animal's, the rat's thought system, and tells it, when you see a cat, run right up to it. <laughs> Because the parasite wants the cat to eat the rat, because then it gets into the stomach and it can fucking reproduce. Now, all the time, we have the same thing, alcoholism, but we don't see it as a parasite, we call it us. Yeah? Don't we? We call it us. So there's no possible freedom. We're thinking to get free as it, and it's thinking about us as a vehicle to do what it wants to do. This is the dilemma, yeah? And you don't think we don't have, you don't, you think that only parasites attack just other things? Non-entity things attack us all fucking day, and alcoholism is a big example of a parasitical movement. Look at us. Look at all the people who are alcoholics and addicts. Look at all the different ethnicities, different economic, you know, uh, religious backgrounds, and yet, if you did a sociological study of the addicts and alcoholics in the L.A., it would be amazing how many of these different people ended up in free parking spaces, institutions, jails, and death. How many of them? Maybe 100,000? And yet, I'd say maybe 30,000 of them would end up at that street parking spaces. And a lot of the others are going to get there. So there's one driver, brings you to one place, and it's using a lot of different vehicles, and each vehicle calls it them. <laughs> yeah? Have you, don't, haven't you felt like you're possessed when you get loaded? Don't you feel like, once I enter, once I drink and use, I'm apt to do anything? And I have. And what, who gets left holding the bed? The parasite? Moi. <laughs> I go to jail. I'm in the hospital. You've got to see the exact nature of the wrong. If not, you'll be looking from it. And the wrong will continue. Even in, solu- even in recovery, it will continue. You'll still be bonded to the idea of being a someone. There is a solution. If you, whenever you're ready, it's available because you're it. You're the solution. The solution is right where you are prior to what you appear to be, but what you truly are. Prior, not after. You're not going to find it. You're not going to find it by looking for it, because you are what's looking. What you're looking for is what you're looking for. What's looking right now is that which you're looking for. Believe me or not, but I bet you'll end up there, because it's the only sound solution there is. The solution has to be prior to the problem, not after the problem. If it's after the problem, it'll be claimed by the problem, 
and the problem will make it a, another. The problem will make the solution a problem. But prior to the problem is the solution. That's what spirit is, and you have a large aspect of it, knowing it or not. Because something's looking out of your head, and that same thing is looking out of my head. So that's what this this meeting is. It's just a repetition of a simple invitation. And maybe you're not able to get there yet, so when you do the steps, what does the steps do in recovery? To me, they diminish a mental condition, because the problem resides in the mind. So they diminish the problem, and then a solution appears, as if out of the blue, and that solution is the spirit of what you are. So when you find what you truly are, it's the solution to, to what you take yourself to be. It's when the real Paul shows up, then the falseness of the Paul that has been representing me is, is seen quite easily. Yes, Right now, many of us, the real Paul is never going to show up because it's always here. We're just not noticing it. We're missing it. It's right underneath our nose. Yeah. What happened with me, I came to a meeting, not a, a recovery meeting, and I heard this idea, and it became the last answer in me. I just knew it before knowing. I just When it hit, it hit somewhere. And then it's just been echoing ever since, and it's the last answer. It's like an unspoken yes. I just knew, and it took a lot of stuff to unfurl and get resolved, but then the, sh- then the light gets unimpeded. Because my head isn't... It's like, you know, when you're at a movie and someone's big head is missing, you know, blocking the picture? If you really question, you'll find it's yours. (laughs) You're the one that's up, (laughs) blocking the view. Because what you are is not this. You're that. You're that which is seen. You're not a scene. This is a scene. It's a great Zen master, Hoang Po, my favorite. If you like a good book, Teachings of Hoang Po, by John Blofeld, translated very, very clear. But he would say, whatever can be perceived cannot be perceiving. Yeah? You can see this, yes? But this is not what's seeing you. And this over there is not seeing me. What's seeing cannot be perceived. It's not the body. Something's looking through this camera. Yeah? If you have a little bit of sense of that, it brings a large leavening agent to your freaking life. You can, you know, this whole, if you were satisfied, a lot of things would change. If you were content now, your, all your super plans to find ultimate contentment may be dropped in a second because you'd have what you've always been looking for. It may not have been the way you thought, thank God, because it's never going to be. But if you have a sense of peace, you'll recognize it. And you won't be looking for peace again. You'll be enjoying peace. This isn't about finding anything. This is about realizing what you're not, and then you find out about what you are, but you don't look for it. Because if, but the looking is already fucking hijacked. You're looking from a self-centered point of view, aren't you? Your mental state looks from a self-centered point of view. You take everything on how it pertains to you as a body. That's called an interpretation. That's the bondage of self. It's not so. It's an activity. But if you believe it, it seems as real as real can be. When you don't believe it, it doesn't seem too real. You're the arbiter, really.
This is a nice one. This guy blows me away all the time. So here you go. You impose limitations on your true nature of infinite being. You don't impose it. The mental state does, yes? It's like the parasite jacks into what you are and convinces it it's, your, it's something else. And then we drive. We're used like vehicles. Alcoholism drives us like a jockey, doesn't it? Have you ever been free from alcoholism for a while? And you're in, let's say you're a horse, like, and you're in the barn, and you're in a nice little corral with food and everything. Everything's all right. Maybe in a rehab or a SLE, a sober living house. Then the jockey comes in. And you recognize them, you know? Oh, that fucking thing rode me before. And you're, you're like, you're getting a little uncomfortable and you're kicking and everything. But it's going, oh, don't worry, it's going to be different this time. And walks up and, you know, you're neighing. But then, you know, puts one leg over, come on, it's going to be all right. And then once it's on, it's not talking to you more anymore, it's talking as you. It's riding you like a fucking horse. Haven't you been ridden? Have you ever gone on a run with anything? Does it, does it last as a run too long? Usually you're limping after the first week. <laughs> then you start getting abscesses and fucking missed teeth. It's going to happen, I'll tell you. <laughs> then, you're, then you're limping, then you're crawling, and then you're dragged back to that same place. Pitiful, incomprehensible demoralization. There is a solution. It, it, a, a stop can be put to it. Seriously. Seriously. Yeah. I entertain these ideas. I started to get this other idea <coughs> atop of the principles of AA about my 11th year sobriety. And I swear, I don't know how many years, basically if I scan my life as a linear thing, it's been traveled lighter, lighter the whole, for a long, 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 long time through every situation that possibly can happen. It's not one of those magical thinking that says it's gonna, you're, everything's going to be great, yeah? Because you have a destiny in this life. You know, you have a geography, a terrain that you're going to travel. But the thing is, it's not going to change that unless it does, but you'll travel lighter over it all. And what more do you want? Wouldn't you like to have an ease and comfort in your skin now and in the circumstances you're in? As the new norm, not as an experience, but as a state. Instead of the state of irritability, restlessness, and, and discontent being the norm, you know, it flips over into an ease and comfort is the norm. You're not looking for satisfaction, you're enjoying satisfaction. You're not looking for peace. You, you have a new understanding of peace and you have a new understanding of serenity. Yeah, you have a new attitude and a new outlook. Not a revamped old one. You get a whole fucking new one. You stop looking from self-centeredness. You lose interest in the self and you gain interest in others. All this stuff happens as if no effort or thought was needed because there was no thought or effort needed. Read page 84 in the book, Yeah. The problem will not exist for you anymore. You'll be placed in a position of neutrality with no thought and effort. That's not, that's not a story. If you live the program, you'll have an intimate experience of all the descriptions of all the problems, and you'll have an intimate experience of the descriptions of what the solution is going to produce in one's life. It'll be the most valid book I've ever read for me. It's been the book of AA. Because I've experienced everything they talked about 
on, on the problem side and on the solution side. The problem will not exist for you anymore. It'll be like it never freaking happened. You can hit a point where you'll have, never have a thought or a feeling about doing drugs and alcohol again. You'll see the pointlessness of it all with no effort. Yeah. You'll be placed in a position of neutrality. You'll be inherently free. You'll be a free-range alcoholic. Yeah. Roaming around in your life without causing huge havoc. <laughs> For me, it was always attracting attention of people in uniform. That was the dilemma. Have you ever met... Sometimes you got, see a guy and you just wish he... You know, I'll tell you a little story. This is amazing. I used to do a talk in this... In, in San Francisco and uh, at this facility and there was a guy who was a secretary the one before the talk you know and he had a service dog and uh, so he used to come in and I used to say hello to him and this one night he's, he, he you know he wasn't a secretary anymore he came into the meeting we had at 9.29 and as soon as he sat down everyone sat, got up and said the serenity prayer and all, most of the people left and there he was and then you could realize I realized he's loaded yeah He's crying, and he's sitting there. So my friend and I go over there and say, hey, come to the coffee shop with me. This is at 9.30. We enter the coffee shop. At 9.34, he's making a lot of people in the coffee shop uncomfortable. They start complaining to the guy who's working behind the bar, and even my friends in AA were getting pissed off at this guy. 9.35. So we get kicked out of the cafe. So we take him back to the, to the, to the Alano Club. Nine, we get there at 9.40. Right, when me and my friend are talking. He gets into this guy gets an argument with the manager of the place. The manager threatens to throw him out. He won't leave, and he calls the police. So the police arrive at nine fifty. Yeah, nine fifty. My friend, I'm with his art. He's a policeman. We go out with the guy, and they're ready to take him, but they don't want to do the paperwork. You know, it's a shift change. Yeah. So they say, hey, you take care of him. So, all right, this is in 20 minutes. He's almost, he got kicked out of a cafe, got kicked out of a sober place, and we bring him out. Can you imagine if he was out there in the public? And then we got him on a bus at 9.59. I never saw him again. Who knows what the fuck happened? Did you ever used to get drunk in the morning? You'd be arrested by 4 in the afternoon. You could not be out in public. You're like a beacon. <laughs> You're just attracting fucking shit. You gotta see when you're taken over, it's dangerous for you and others. It's a possession, man. Uh, whatever. The host can throw off the parasite, but not as the parasite. If you take yourself to be the parasite, you're on its side. You're rooting for it. You think it's right. You know? There's got to be seen a distinction that you're the host, in a sense, and it's a foreign installment. If it's a foreign installment, you can be free from it. If it's you, you're going to have to live as it. All spirituality that's worth its salt always brings you to the first point of the disruption, and that is of the presupposing of a non-existent thing as you. That's it. That's the selfing. And all the other selfing is there to support and reinforce the presupposing of that non-existent thing. So you take yourself to be something you're not, and your life is lived from that point of view, and you suffer all the rewards and all the injustices based from where you're seeing life from. 
all the while calling it all yours. Not one step in a way were you inherently free from the bondage of self. So, there you have it. We can go on and on, but I'd rather... You've already been served the spiritual Peter. You're going to be caught, you know, called to the court of light, thank God. Yeah? All your little trespasses will be annulled if you're willing. Yeah? In that court, you're not holding contempt. But in the selfing, you're holding in contempt. What you call you, the body, the selfing hates the body. It's too limited for it. It hates it. It can't do without it, but it hates it. Yeah? It's not out for you. That thing that's talking in your head is not out for your best good. It isn't. It's, it's out to be ending up being right and alone and a feeling of specialness. It's an illness that only begets more illness. You're never going to rehab it. You're never going to change the traits of the snake. You're never... Be nice to it, it will bite you. Not be nice to you, it will bite you. And its answer will be, I'm a snake. That's what snakes do. What a parasite does is kills the host. Not kills it, because it can't, but weakens the host to inflame or enflesh itself. Yeah, It finds strength in your weakness. Any questions? The solution, it matters where, what situation you're in. If you're in active using, I would say for me the program is the solution. You need to have, you need to start diminishing the influence of what's driving you crazy, and you can't do that on your own. The steps are there, and the community there is to support a personality shift, a psychic change, or a spiritual awakening, they call it, yeah? that will be sufficient to produce an immunity to the parasite. But I don't think you can produce any immunity to the parasite through the parasite. The program will produce a different answer than you come up with. So do the work, yes? You know the program, the first three. The first step is reflective. You're reflecting on your life. And hopefully you come to the conclusion that you're fucked and you're not managerial quality. The second probe step is a reflection on being sober. So you come to believe a power greater than yourself can keep, you know, can uh, bring, you know, help your ass basically because it has. That's what happened to me after eight weeks. I hadn't touched a drink. That was all I needed. I came to believe a power greater than me can do for what I can't do for myself because it did. It kept me, was keeping me sober, which was un- very unusual. Yeah. The third step is you make a decision. You don't have to do anything. You just make a decision, hopefully based on the situation you've come to by looking at the first step, which is you're not managerial quality. Yeah? You're not managerial quality. You should not be running anyone's fucking life, especially yours. <laughs> Literally. I mean, seriously. I mean, really. 
I mean, you would, I would do better if I let someone in this, not everyone, some, I'm still suspicious of a few people, but I would, be, I would probably do better if I gave you my will in life than it would ever be under mine. There's too much vested interest here. Yeah? Someone who's very uninterested in me can do a better job with my life than I can. I've had the experience. I was in a two-year program, 24-7. Not a, not a little visit, a living program called Delancey Street. And all the while, when I was in there, they only saw me as a you, a junkie you. Just like all the other junkies that came off the street. But all the while they were directing me and suggesting what a junkie you should do, I was going, I beg the difference, me. I, am not, I don't belong here. I'm, I'm not like these folks. I was exactly like those folks. And when I left the Lancy Street, they, they really, I graduated, graduated. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say with high, you know, colors, but I graduated. I didn't act out for two years. When I graduated, I, I had to begrudgingly admit that my life looked better with them running it than it ever had with me running it. And they didn't give a shit about me. It's literally. For two years, they ran it, and it looked a whole lot better with, under their jurisdiction than it did under my jurisdiction. That's the first step. Yeah. The third is to make a decision based on the reflection on the first step and the demonstration of that power in the second step. All right, I would like to turn my will and life over to the care of that instead of having my will and life. See, I've turned over my life to, to the care of a lot of things. The police. I've surrendered to the police many times. I've surrendered to Lancy Street. I've surrendered to girlfriends. Yeah? And yet, to Lancy Street, I could stay sober if I never left. That was the deal. If you live here the rest of your life in this little society, you'll, you'll stay sober. I, I didn't want to be institutionalized, so I, I left, yeah? So, this idea of surrender, we think, is so foreign. We've been turning our will life over to the parasite for fucking 40 years. We have. So, we make the decision, and four through nine are the working steps. You do those steps. There are activities. Four through nine, Right? Inventory, fifth, you share the inventory with someone and a power in the same room, so to speak, that God power, the higher power. Six and seven, you see, you use six and seven to deal with the defects of character, the, the expressions of self in your life, because what has defeated you isn't you, it's self. It's very clearly stated in the big book on page 64, being convinced that self has defeated us. We're us. And then there's this activity called self. I call it selfing. Self is giving it too much credit. Because it's not a noun. It's not a thing. A thing has never defeated you. It's an activity. Selfing. Yeah. So selfing has defeated us. Being convinced of that, we'll look at some of its common manifestations. And the first one's resentment. So we do an inventory on resentments in our life. Inventory on fear. Inventory on sex. To look at how one... how driving to get what we want, that hurt other people. Yeah? So we do the inventory, we share it with another person, that's the fifth step. Six and seven is the, the expressions or the patterns of our defeat will show up in our lives, and we'll, if we can see them, you can ask that power to remove them. I'm entirely ready for these to, to remove them. Ask it to remove them. And then your life starts to change. Then step eight, you make a, a list of the people you've harmed while you were taken over by this parasite. Step nine is you try to make a direct amend wherever it's not going to hurt someone else or something, you know. You make the living amends. Step ten is just a maintenance step. 
you continue to take inventory, yeah, of your merits and demerits, yeah. Step 11 is, hey, it would probably be a wise idea to improve conscious contact with that thing that saved your ass, and maybe they, they, they suggest two things, prayer and meditation, as many more, yeah. And then step 12 is, now you take on the agenda of the program, which is to practice, to stay sober, yeah, to practice these principles in all our affairs, and to help other people achieve sobriety. And that's it. That's the 12 steps. And the, prog- and the meetings are to support that, the fellowship, yeah? And there's specific meetings, which are step studies that are quite good. So if you don't know what, what's really being said in the book, go to one of the meetings, read it with a lot of people, and a lot of downloads will happen, because you're going to need an understanding. It sort of needs to make a little bit of sense to you, I think. Yeah? And that's it. And you live sober. And then if the Spirit moves you to go different places, you'll hear different messages, and it's, you never leave AA, but you leave AA without leaving AA. You don't have to leave AA to leave AA. Yeah? You find something that brings you to the real root of the problem, which is identification. You entertain that, and you see all it does. See, AA is a path, yeah? A path to illumination. But this message is what illuminates all paths. <clears throat> it's much different. Yeah? So it's a nice addition. It's not an either or. It's inclusive. So the steps take care of the action figure, and then the spirit can become more obvious in your life. Yeah? Right now, if you're an active drinker and drug addict, you're not going to fucking meditate after doing a shot of coke. I'm <laughs> serious. It's not going to happen. You're not going to quiet down. You know what I mean? You know, so, you, you, I mean, it's ridiculous. You do a lot. Of, you do service, and you participate in the program, and that gets you out of self until the realization comes sooner or later that you've never been in self. <laughs> that's what stabilizes, and that's the solution. And then the steps just keep, you know, all the mess the action figure gets into can be remedied by the steps. Because the spirit never gets into any mess. It's just seeing, you know? Yeah. So. I mean, I go to, I'm 28 years sober almost this two weeks from now, and I, go, I like meetings because I feel the presence. There's a tradition, tradition too, in our, pro, our program, yeah? Which is more about the groups. And it says there's a loving God that's expressing us itself through our group conscience. That's what I feel in meetings. I feel a presence of spirit. Yeah. And I've gone to thousands of meetings. I'll tell you, they probably produced the most results of anything I've done, and I wasn't doing anything in there. Just listening to everybody and saying hello to newcomers at the end of the meeting and just doing the do. And you get to stay sober. See, it's not... A choice, it's a necessity. If you have act, if you are an act, a real alcoholic and a real drug addict, you have to take care of it, or it's going to take care of you. I've met a lot of Buddhists who are still drunk. You may not be able to su- substitute alcohol, you know, AA for some Buddhist or some other spiritual thing. It may not work. But AA with that Buddhism will really be a nice event, maybe. But if you're going to try to replace AA with something else, it may not work. You may be you end up a drunk one of those. Yeah, AA works if you work it in a sense. 
So if it's, yeah, I hope you show up, or if not, you will. <laughs> Life's the best teacher. Really, if you're not convinced, it will convince you. And hopefully you won't be done before you're done. I hope you don't die before you have the chance to be done with this. I was lucky, <laughs> in a way. I got run over twice in one night. I've been shot at, I've overdosed tons of times. So I thought I was going to be done, you know, dead. But I was done with this before I'm done. So I now have a large part of enjoyment for the rest of my life. Yeah? So you have a chance, and you're here. I mean, something brought you to this. People don't find these meetings. <laughs> I'm serious. You don't just, by chance, walk in and hear this. There's something in you that wants to hear it, so you've heard it. Literally. I've seen it hundreds of times. There's no, there's nothing by chance here. You're being invited. You know. Now, maybe you won't show up for it right now, but the invitation is still on offer. You've always, you've been served the spiritual subpoena. Yeah? There's no expiration date. <laughs> when you get tired of that, hopefully you'll come in. And if you have an understanding, it makes it easier. Seriously. I didn't have an understanding of the fourth step until I did. The fourth step is the inventory. I didn't know what my role in thing was. I kept thinking, you know, I was fucked. I didn't see what role I played in being fucked. When someone explained it to me clearly, these guys, Joe and Charlie, I really recommend them if you haven't listened to their stuff. They used to run a big book seminar, and I went to it the first three years of sobriety. They explained the book to me, that I, how I never heard it, and it made a lot of sense, and it made things a lot easier for me. I went right into my room and did a fourth step because I saw my role, and the relief is at your role. And this message just takes your role into a much larger, bigger place, which means you're the source of it all. You are the reality lending itself to things by being identified as a thing. Literally, that's what's happening. Every day, you ever hear The Course of Miracles? It's an interesting book. Every day, the Course says a statement, and I think it describes everyone's day, and that is, you and I are the dreamer of the dream. Yeah? So if you don't think this is a dream, you and I are having a subjective experience, yes? We're at the same event, but everyone's going to have a different experience of this event. So is it the event that is leaving the biggest impression, or is it you? You, yeah? That's a dream. You're dreaming here. You're giving everything all the meaning it has, knowing it or not. That's the activity of the body and the brain. It's giving meaning to things. Yeah? That's the dream. Alright, so you and I are the dreaming of this dream. We forget that we're dreaming. And I believe how we forget, which is impossible, the dreaming will never forget its dreaming. But it can forget its dreaming when it takes itself to be the dreamt. So now, the dreaming has become identified as the dreamt, and in this condition, it now gives everything it's dreamt all the ability to fuck with it, basically. That's what's happening all day. You believe something that's not true, and that's what gives truth to everything else. You believe something that's not true. You are not completely just a body. You're not a fucking brain. There's something that's seen through it. 
You don't feel it? It's fucking the juice here. It's like it's like electric, yeah. That's spirit. Brilliant light, unadorned and unblocked by anything. It's like if you were, if you're a person and you want to get sun, yeah. A simple misty combination of vapors can block you from the sun. A cloud, yeah. A cloud can block you from the sun if you're a body over on the beach. But what if you were on the sun side? The clouds would still be there. You'd see them, but they'd have no ability to block you from the sun because you're on the sun side. You are the fucking sun. Let it shine. I mean, it's, it's the easiest. No effort whatsoever. Just incessantly on. Yeah? When you close your eyelids, does it does it go black in there? Really, it's like fucking stampeding horses, ready to go. It's like instead the surveillance. You know, the like the government's trying to. This is surveilling everything at all times. <laughs> awareness. It's just constantly on, and it's not doing awareness. It is awareness. It's being aware, because that's its nature. Spirit isn't doing spirit, it's being. So, yeah. Go, if you want, go to the website. I have a website, Zen Bishlap, and I do a big thing on the 12 steps. I think it's on the first page called Reflections on the 12 Steps. Maybe it can help you have an understanding that will make it easier for you to understand the severity of this situation. Because it is very severe, really. Because the, the problem is going to progress. Yeah? And therefore, its consequences are going to progress. I wasn't fucked when I was your age. I was totally fucked a couple of years later. I, when I was your age, I hadn't got hit by the cars yet. But they all, those jets were just waiting. So, it would be great if you could get off that dead horse now, really. Or you're going to be dead under it. (laughs) It's very unforgiving. It's not going to take your pleas to heart. It's going to feed off of you. That's what it does. Yeah? It could give a shit about you, but it needs you as a body. So, good news. There's a solution. Tag, you're it. <laughs> yeah. All right, no more questions? Nothing? Everything's good? Seemingly. Seemingly. All right, great. Thank you. Thank you.